You can just go up the pooper. <laughs> I mean, that would count, right? Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> and from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello! Oh, that's, that's like a that's... half Seinfeld. <laughs> we are uh, going to go back on our road trip today. Yeah. Road trip! We ended yep. up with the we ended up in the at the end of the C's on the last one. We're going to start with the D's today because we like to start with the D. Um, um, <laughs> we're going to give you the D. We're going to give you the D. Um, but we're going to go back on our road trip uh, through London. Uh, yeah. uh, it's not all the UK, but uh, but uh, mostly London and some cheating ones here and there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. So let's start with darkest hour. Ooh. Yeah. This is one that I put off for a while because honestly, it seemed like it was going to be boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel bad saying that, but because I didn't know a ton about it other than the trailers and you know, that he was probably going to get an Oscar no matter what the movie turned out to be. Um, <clears throat> it just seemed like a biopic to me and those are usually boring. And Mm -hmm. so I went and saw Dunkirk and was thrilled and loved it. And then later, whenever it came to HBO or whatever, I saw darkest hour and I loved it. And Mm -hmm. like many before me have said, it pairs very well with Dunkirk uh, because it covers the same period of time in Mm -hmm. English history. Have we, has has anybody tried to watch uh, these movies back to back? Has anybody tried to even edit them together or anything I bet like somebody that? Somebody has, but the, an edit together would be a fascinating project, man. Yeah, I mean they're completely different movies. Yeah, I haven't actually seen this uh, almost exactly for the reason that Jeremy was saying. What makes it so intriguing that that takes it above a standard biopic? I it's, guess is it just because it's that specific. Uh, decision time, like like thirteen well, days or something like that. Somewhat. I mean, it is very similar, honestly, to that uh, Costner uh, Cuban Missile Crisis movie in in a lot 13 of ways. Days. Yeah. yeah now, and I don't days, know right? how fast and loose the movie plays with Darkest Hour. I assume it's fairly accurate with history, and I didn't re- realize that he was on such shaky ground at this point in terms of his position, uh, and and that they were losing faith in him and going to replace him. And then this Dunkirk event comes along and he basically has to save the country with uh, the perfect speech uh, and does so. Uh, He's amazing in it. Um, But uh, Lily, is it Lily James? Lily James. Uh, Yep. Lily James plays like his uh, typist. He dictates a lot. Um, And uh, she's surprisingly good. Um, and yeah, I was just, uh, I didn't know enough about the history to know, uh, exactly how crucial a moment this was. Have you not seen Lily James be good before? No, I have. Um, I just didn't think, um, I didn't think that role was going to be a a role that 
mattered that much. Oh, I see uh, what you're saying. But she's okay. sort of the, the the window through which we get to see Churchill because she's you know the fish out of water who kind of has to gets to react to his gruffness and all of his idiosyncrasies. Tell you what, it would be a fun project. I, I almost I almost want to do it right now because it's well. <laughs> at least wait until we're done recording. Uh, okay, if I have to. Um. The next one on the list is Dial M for Murder, Alfred Hitchcock movie with one of his, uh, you know, his all-time muses, I guess, uh, Grace Kelly. Yeah. Um, nice to see Grace Kelly step out of the uh, the Fred Astaire type of thing and like the, the more whimsical stuff, you know? Yeah. I have not seen this in forever. In fact, I'm the, maybe the last time I watched this was around the time a perfect murder the the uh, Michael Douglas Gwyneth Paltrow Vigo Mortensen movie that was remaking this mm-hmm. came out uh, oh, which yeah. is good a perfect uh, murder yes and um and so uh the uh, this one I remember it being good but I don't remember much about it does anybody remember much about it and the only thing that I remember it's been a while too I remember loving it especially Grace Kelly but Hitchcock, from what I've seen, is is a master of not only the suspense and everything, but also giving you just enough double crosses because there's a lot of double crossing in this movie. There's like, you know, the the husband is is working on the the wife and the wife is working on the the husband. Everybody's unfaithful and the boyfriends and the girlfriends and the things and the and the and the and all that. And uh, yeah, it, it seems like. There's just a lot to keep up with, but it it ke- it, it moves, it snaps, and this was uh, I mean this was back in the fifties, and yeah. uh, it, it's a it's a movie that I could tell was way ahead of its time too. That's what the kids were saying back in the fifties is that it snaps. Yeah, they were saying, and they were actually they didn't say the word snap. They would say that movie, and then they oh snap. yeah yeah that's right, um, that's right. and then they call I you actually- daddy. Saw this and made it a recommend probably a year and a half ago on a podcast episode uh, because I had never seen it before and uh, it was gripping. And uh, I remember it's very uh, play-like, unlike the Viggo Mortensen update, which uh, moves all over the place setting-wise. The uh, Dial M for Murders, I'd say 90, 95% of it takes place in their apartment. Um, So it very much feels like a play or probably has been a a play. Yeah, yeah, it was a play. Um, and it all hinges on this latch key, this latch key that the husband leaves for the the guy he strong arms into killing his wife. Basically, a husband wants to kill his wife because she had an affair. He strong arms this guy, blackmails him into killing his wife for him, and it all goes awry, and the wife ends up killing the guy. And from there, I mean, that's not even spoiling 25 minutes of the movie. Uh, from there is where it gets a little kooky. Um, as everyone has to start figuring out how to cover their tracks uh, in yeah. different ways. Uh, 100% thumbs up recommend for me. Still only seen it the one time. I would go back to it in a heartbeat, but uh, I remember loving it. Did you get the sense that uh, of what I was talking about where like it seems like somebody has the upper hand and then the other character has the upper hand and then it seems like somebody's ahead of the other, but they're they're kind of, you know, they're jostling for position at that point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it very much goes back and forth in terms of uh, who you think is going to come out of this. Who has hand? Who has the hand? <laughs> and who's going to need it? <laughs> the next one on the list is a movie I saw back in the day, Dirty Pretty Things. Um, this movie's really good, but it has been since it came out. 
since I've seen it. And it's got Chiwetel Ejiofor in it. It's got Audrey Tatu, uh, Sophie Okonedo, who you may uh, uh, know from Hotel Rwanda, got nominated for an Oscar in that. Uh, Benedict Wong is in this movie that I, I did oh, not, wow. I did not realize preview. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, there's a, there's one line I remember, uh, I think it's the bad guy says something like, how come I've never seen you people before? And she would tell edgy for is like, because we are the people you do not see. We are the ones who drive your cabs. We clean your rooms and suck your cocks. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, and uh, Sophie Okonedo, I think, is it plays a prostitute or something, and she's there with Audrey Tattoo, and she would tell Edge for, and like when when he says we suck your cocks, she's like raises her hand and like <laughs> and he's like, yep, that's me, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's a it's a it's like a murder mystery in a hotel type type of movie. I haven't you know, like I said, I haven't seen it forever, but I remember it being great. And I kind of want to see it again now that I know these actors better than I did back Man, then. Man, 94 on Rotten Tomatoes, that movie. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what I strongly recommend from the critics. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a fantastic movie. It's directed by Stephen Frears, uh, mm-hmm. who, uh, it was interesting, I was reading on Sunday, I was reading this oral history of High Fidelity uh, that, that came up on my timeline. And it's funny how Cusack and the writers and everybody uh, – where like, because Cusack had worked with Frears on Grifters, mm-hmm. and uh, and he, they were throwing out directors, and he was like, well, "Let's get Frears," and everybody was like, "Fuck you!" There's no <laughs> fucking that guy directed Dangerous Liaisons and like you know uh, Grifters and all that stuff, <laughs> and he was like, "No, seriously, let's call him up." And he was like, "Yeah, I love this idea because it was based on the Nick Hornby novel and everything," and uh, so that's that's I, I like pretty much everything he's done. The Queen, of course. Um, Dangerous Liaisons is great. High Fidelity, obviously, I love. So I'm I'm intrigued by this one. This one's on the list for sure. Yeah, I'm. Uh, this is one of the, the again. We always want to reinforce this when we do these uh, road trip things. When you run across a movie like this that you haven't seen in 18 years and you remember loving it, but you've forgotten about it. It's like, yeah, now I need to rewatch that. It'd be great <laughs> to watch that again. It's a, it's a great reminder. Um, also uh, inspired that great 21 Pilots song. <laughs> Dirt, Dirty, uh, filthy soul. Heavy, uh, heavy dirty soul. Heavy dirty soul. I was yeah, close. Yeah. I knew I had something there. <laughs> I was like, I was like, dirty pretty things. <laughs> um, uh, we have mentioned Dunkirk, and we've talked a lot about it recently. Uh, but uh, that's also one of the cheating ones, kind of. Uh, yeah. right, because this is on the coast of France that most of this happens. Um, in the mole. <laughs> in the mole. Um, mole, 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 mole. <laughs> um, but uh, movie's fantastic, and uh, yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. The Agreed people on. who, if people are listening to this podcast for the first time, they're like, "Oh, come on, talk about Dunkirk." Hey, how got- long do you think? Like, how many pages do you think the script is for Dunkirk? Like, because there's got there's like. 13% dialogue in that entire movie, right? Yeah, I mean, it's probably an average size script. You think? Uh, just from yeah. action shots and just like from, exterior just from this. Here's this, what it. happens, here's what happens. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, describing the scene and all that. And then, yeah, the, the dialogue itself, I mean, there's not much, but there's enough, I think, to yeah. fill it up. No, it's it, certainly not boring. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you if you told me that Nolan wrote something that had, you know, 500 pages when he first did this thing and then had to whittle it down and whatever. So, Man, uh, he sure sounds like he's going to push real hard to put Tenet in theaters this this summer, like a month and a half from now. I'd be curious really? to see how that ends up. Yeah, he wants very much to make this the movie that, first of all, I think this comes from a place of him believing with all his might that this movie needs to be seen on the big screen. And he's probably right. Um, but he's pushing for this to be the movie that basically saves theaters and brings people back out. Yeah, but uh, it's so irresponsible. Um, I think so too, but... <clears throat> I, we can always watch this movie on the big screen if they just want to keep pushing it back for a while. I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait. Um, yep, um, I agree. The next one on the list is Eastern Promises, another movie I haven't seen in forever. Vigo Mortensen, well-known uh, all-nude fighting scene in that Which movie. I uh, am happy to announce we reference in an upcoming Sins video. Nice. Uh, really- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing that. <laughs> oh, this, um, this movie rules man this yeah movie it's brings a, the d yeah it does it does um it's a it's a it's a david cronenberg in that uh that little period of time where he was making uh, i guess more i don't know it wasn't it's it's not like you know where the flesh becomes a gun or you know one of those kind of cronenbergian <laughs> yeah. type of things he was making uh, Viggo Mortensen films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, but uh, I don't remember much about this either. I've seen, I saw it back in the back when it came out. Well, it's interesting because the movie's called Eastern Promises, and it's about like a the fight between the Russians and the Chechens, and like a power struggle with the Russians and everything. And Vigo plays the the cleaner uh, for the mob for the Russian mob. But it takes place in London, and it's about like you know. A, a little girl that they're trying to save. And that's what brings Vigo over to, uh, to the, the quote good side, uh, even though he's staying in the mob and Naomi Watts plays the, uh, the person that's trying to extract the, uh, the, the, the girl from this situation. And uh, so it all plays out in London, even though there's a, the, the famous nude scene is in a Turkish bath or in a Russian bath or something like that, completely naked. Um, and it's, it's a really well choreographed fight, if I remember correctly. It is. Um, it, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Um, yeah the uh, the thing that was brought up about that fight was that the people in it are are not like skilled hand to hand combat uh, fighters, so it's hmm. it comes out that way instead of it being all polished and perfect and yeah. everything. It's it's really like just they're not good at it, so it's actually more brutal that way. Yeah, yeah, it's what you would do if you were in a like you and I were in a fight or something mm-hmm. like that, just doing whatever you have to do, not like you know reloading your hands like fucking Henry Cavill. It always and- cracks me up, man, in movies when two guys get ready to fight and they both like put up their dukes and kind of pace around a little <laughs> bit, like they're in a fucking boxing ring and there's rules. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna charge at your ass, screaming my head off, and like try and tackle you immediately and then i'm going for the groin mm-hmm. like there's no putting my dukes up and pacing around if i expect <laughs> us to fight i'm gonna strike first and dirty 
Yeah. <laughs> Speaking um, of going to the groin, uh, Vincent Cassell is in this movie. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, he's really, really good. Um, ends up, uh, as a, a major character. I love me some Vincent Cassell, man. He's yeah. just, he's such a good leading slash um, co-leading man. Uh, so charming. I, I just love him. Yeah. Edge of Tomorrow. We've all obviously talked a lot about Edge of Tomorrow as well. Most of the London stuff that I remember, there's a couple of scenes with Cruz talking to Brendan Gleeson. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's also in the bar in that one scene where he's basically hit his Bill Murray in Groundhog Day giving up uh, phase. Yeah. Um, uh, and but, Heathrow, of course, the base. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, but most of the action is taking place in France on that one as well. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, great movie. Uh, we have talked about it many times. Here's a movie we haven't talked about many times. Fantastic beasts, the crimes of Grindelwald. Jesus. Okay. This is a bad movie, but Chris, you've seen both of these, right? Yes. Would you say this is better than the first one? No. No, really? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I was, it was a thoroughly joyless experience watching this movie. Totally. Totally. The, my, my beef with these, uh, this new franchise is that they've sucked the fun. You know, those, it got progressively darker in Harry Potter, but it also retained those times where they're on vacation or there are times where they're at the Weasleys or the, the times that they're at the world cup. Like there was always a break in the action to where you could breathe and get Jeremy Wright sees really well in, in Abel's books where they go to Jack's or something like that, where they can breathe. And in the, the fantastic beast, there's no time to breathe. It's just all gross and scuzzy and everybody's doing bad shit. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many things I didn't understand about this one too, where just like, there's a point where, um, Grindelwald, um is i mean i don't know it just uh it, it didn't make much sense to me as all i just i i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a big fan of this this franchise at all yeah, um, i haven't seen either of these i have negative interest uh so you know hopefully chris just doesn't assign me to write sins for one in the future yeah i it's it would be uh i mean at this point are they even eager to make the next one because that last one you know, Crimes of Grindelwald did not do well, but yeah, Grindelwald had that one scene where they're in. This is where they're, in, they're also in France. It always seems like England ends up in France somehow. But they're in <laughs> Paris, uh, and and Grindelwald calls all of his followers, and then like all these like shadow curtains go over yeah. the <laughs> entire city. And I'm like, do do the people of Paris see this shit, or is this an illusion? <laughs> like they don't even bother to tell you about it, and that's so frustrating. <laughs> If you want, and it, and it, and it t- it's trying so hard to tie back into Harry Potter, you know, putting in uh, Ewan McGregor as uh, as uh, Dumbledore or whatever is it? Jude Law. Putting in Jude <laughs> Law, one of those British fuckers. <laughs> putting in Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew as soon as I said Ewan McGregor, I was wrong, and I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> But um, no, you put in you put in Jude Law trying to be Dumbledore and all this stuff going on, and I'm like, if you want to make a fucking prequel about Dumbledore, make the fucking prequels about Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Don't don't pretend it's not attached, 
and oh, it's just uh, it's uh, so so funny. This Eddie Redmayne and his uh, his whimsical nature with those fantastic beasts and all. Not about that shit. It's yeah, not mm-hmm. about that. You want to make a Dumbledore prequel? Go ahead and make the Dumbledore prequel. God damn it! The yeah. Hobbit did this shit too. The yes. Hobbit. The Hobbit was like, uh, oh, this is this is kind of connected to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but let's let's put in this part where it's the beginning of Sauron somehow, and like yeah. everybody's interacting with him and and everything. We got to make sure that people know this is a Lord of the Rings property. Yeah. You know? Um. So yeah. Also had one of the most frustrating, well, since I've been here, uh, frustrating evenings in CinemaSense history when we wrote. On the first Fantastic Beast, we called him Grindenwald. And right. Jeremy, poor Jeremy, correctly, according to the script, called him Grindenwald throughout the entire thing. And there was like maybe 25, 30 mentions of Grindenwald when clearly it's Grindelwald. And we had to call, we had to email poor Jeremy at like probably six o'clock, seven o'clock that night. This is when, <laughs> you know, right before I think it was about to drop. And God bless you. You you took care of all of them. And I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I just say what's on the page, man. <laughs> I was like, come on. It's totally Grindenwald. And I keep saying it. Like, I, if you ask me tomorrow if it's Grindelwald or Grindenwald, I, I have no idea what it's I'll like say. It's like Rise of the Skywalker. I'm never going <laughs> to yeah, exactly. It's very much like that. Um, The favorite. Oh, uh, you here's Barrett. Let's go, Barrett. Hear it. Let's hear it. I told you after I watched and recommended uh, The Killing of the Sacred Deer, which had mixed reviews from, not from critics, critics loved it, uh, from audience. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos is my jam. This is his most accessible movie. It's about sticking tongues in vaginas. It's about bunnies. Mm -hmm. It's about dead babies. Mm -hmm. It's about about a power struggle. It's about throwing fruit at a naked dude. Mm -hmm. It's about Mm -hmm. dancing. It's about... Uninterested hand jobs. Any of that? What? You don't remember the, the Emma Stone hand jobs? Yeah, uh, the Emma Stone hand job is hilarious too. Oh, it's, it's so yeah, funny. It's great. It's yeah, great. like th- this movie. This movie is right up my alley. Um, mm-hmm. Just the the idea that uh, they've taken what is normally a stuffy period piece type of thing, even when even when there's like two people, two rivals fighting that type of thing. It still ends up feeling stuffy. This one, they kind of go on a little bit of a tilted edge on this one where mm-hmm. like the way it's shot and the way, the the way they just decide to put in some sort of like anachronistic dancing and, and, and stuff like that, just kind of thrown in there. Like, you know, fuck you for expecting something that's stuffy and, and, and everything. Uh, uh, it's just a it's just a joy to watch this movie. Yeah, and Emma Stone does it. Emma, Emma Stone now Rachel Weisz is fantastic. Olivia Coleman won the Oscar, right? She did. Yeah. Uh, so obviously she's fantastic. But Emma Stone is the is the rock of this movie f- from a subversive standpoint. Like as soon as she gets in there, that's it was in the trailer and everything. She was like, "Well, you know, you could be a monster for our kids to play with." Rachel Weisz says this, and she's like, "Ah." Mm-hmm. You know, like playing along, like instead of being like, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me go to the the whatever. No, yeah. she she completely she steps out of line when she needs to. She manipulates people when she needs to. And even at the end, she's got what she wants, even though it comes with a price 
uh, of what she's doing at the very, very end. Ankle uh, rubbing? Ankle, ankle rubbing. rubbing. You think that's the only price? I'll bet there's going to be other prices down the line. I don't think so. First of all, I think she only lives for a couple more years. Now, what happens after that is going to be very, very interesting because, well, Rachel Weiss, uh, she gets thrown into prison, if not killed, right? No, they get in prison for stealing the money and stuff like that. I don't know. Right? I saw it one time. Uh, so she's out of the picture. So it's a, a matter of, you know, has she made enough connections to the Nicholas Holt character to, you know, all these other guys to keep herself in some measure of power. And I think she does. And I, I just love that character so much because when she steps out of bounds, she knows what she's doing. And I, it, it just holds the entire movie together. I do remember thinking Nicholas Holt was, uh, unfortunately not getting as much love as he deserved because of how good everybody else is in the movie. But I do remember thinking he was fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's great in it. Yeah. I, I love the favorite a whole lot. Um, <laughs> uh, the next one on this is a movie. Another, I felt, I don't know. Maybe people love this movie finding Neverland, which is about, um... uh, uh, was it, it's Barry was something. A.M. Barry. A.M. Barry. Barry. Who wrote uh, Peter Pan. What? J.M. Barry. J.M. Barry. J.M. Barry. J.M. Barry. Good evening, yeah. everyone. J.M. Barry. <laughs> Good evening. I'm Jack Barry. Um, you didn't like this movie? No. I don't know why. <laughs> I, um, I don't know why. It's, I I mean, it's I sentimental. Kind of, tired i don't know it's just, I, maybe i was just tired watching it i just don't like these kind of movies where it's like um it's all about all the stuff around him uh you know influence the book and that he would write and everything is in that yeah. basically the gist of it yeah, yeah and doesn't he like die isn't he dying um <laughs> somebody's dying it's either him somebody's dying Oh, it's uh, it's Kate Winslet's character. That's yeah. right. Somebody's yeah, because I Freddie Highmore I... plays the kid, plays her son, who he befriends and becomes kind of the model for Peter Pan. And he starts telling him this story, this whimsical story. And uh, yeah, so uh, uh, the Kate Winslet character is uh, dying or dies suddenly towards the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've slotted this in with the King speech as <laughs> a movie, a very British movie near award season. That got some nominations, so I watched it and enjoyed it, and it has faded in time uh, in its importance. This is one of those movies, too, like, he came, like, Johnny Depp got nominated for this movie. Wow. Um, and second it was in right a row, after, right? It was the second in a row after Pirates of the Caribbean, and he would later get nominated for Sweeney Todd as well, but... Um, but it felt like when Finding Neverland came out, it's like, oh, so are we starting to make do makeup Oscar nominations for Johnny Depp now after he had that terrific 1990s decade where yeah. he didn't get he didn't get any kind of love at all for the right. stuff that he did with you know just just downright awesome work and everything. Now he does this. He's J M Barry. Let's give him this guy a nomination. Um, <laughs> he's not weird that's what, in this that's what the academy sounds like <laughs> let's give this guy a nomination yeah i mean god damn i didn't like i i yeah i didn't like it but 
I think what is it got? It's got a pretty good uh, score on the IMDb, right? Seven point seven. So people love this movie. I, I love this movie. I think it's it's. It, what's weird about it is that for Depp, this was maybe the most understated role that he's had since Dead Man. Like he he plays Barry with this kind of. He's got like a nice little like twinkle in his eyes because he sees Freddie Highmore and his his brothers as like this way because he's he's a playwright and he's an author. He sees them as a model of what to do, like like how to make this universe, this never never land, and uh, yeah, it's 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 charming. I think he does a beautiful job. It was obviously totally different from Jack Sparrow and all that stuff, uh, but I, it's not the top of his list or anything like that. But I think it's it's endearing. Yeah, you should know that a lot of times these movies, like I'm 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 going on my first impression. I saw this movie, another one of these, probably Thursday night, uh, watched it at midnight type of movies, and I'm like, this isn't the fucking shit that I want to see right now at midnight. Fuck this movie. And and then sixteen years later when someone asked me about finding Neverland, all I can think of is how I didn't like it. And it could be that it's it's really good and I just didn't give it a chance. I don't know. Um, here's a movie that I do like a fish called Wanda. Yeah. Mm. This movie is fantastic. We uh, even in the sequel that came 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. The, was it the uh, uh, fierce creatures? Is that what it was? Fierce, fierce people. There's it, actually, there's like three movies that start with fierce and I've seen them all. Fierce creatures, fierce people. Fierce. It's, it's fierce creatures. Fish, 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 fishies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Kevin Klein won the Oscar for a fish called Wanda. That's uh, crazy. Cause this is, this is not a, you know, Oscar type of movie. I love it, but it's, yeah. it's as much slapstick comedy as it is anything else. You know, uh, everybody is just, is at peak power here. Um, Kevin Klein obviously is fantastic. Jamie Lee Curtis is hilarious in it. John Cleese has some of the best moments in it. Uh, Michael Palin is amazing. In it. <laughs> um, there, are, there are so many great things in it, but it's just about a bunch of jewel thieves who um, they have to hide this diamond uh, because they, because one of one of their crew, or they, so I'm trying to remember if one of their crew, yeah, one of the crew gets caught. And, um, there's one, and there's a, a person playing a witness. There's going to have, there's going to be a witness to it and everything. So there's this whole court case coming up and they're trying, and they try to get Jamie Lee Curtis is one of the jewel thieves. She's sent to su- seduce the barrister that's in the case, John Cleese, who's a married man, a family man. And, uh, but his wife is so like awful and cold and everything. So Jamie Lee Curtis is like a, fresh drink of water to him. But, but uh, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when Cleese and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis go to the, go to that uh, flat and they're going to finally have sex and uh, they're going through all this, all this stuff. And uh, you know, he, Jamie Lee Curtis is actually going through this moment where she's actually like, I might actually like this guy. I don't, I may, I may not, I may not just want to do this to, for, for the whole, the court case thing and everything. Um, and she goes, do you speak a different language? And he goes, uh, he goes, do you speak, do you speak Italian? Which is for, we've seen in the movie when Kevin Klein speaks Italian to her, she goes wild. <laughs> um, 
And uh, and he goes, he goes, yeah. I was, he's like, I was born Italian. And he starts speaking Italian. And she's like, she's like, oh, she's. You can see her. She's like just melting at that point. And she goes, oh, but it's such an ugly, ugly language. And she, goes, <laughs> she, breaks, she breaks in. And she breaks out of it and goes, he goes, I prefer Russian. And he goes, gets into the Russian, and that <laughs> makes her excited even more. And, uh, and uh, so he's like stripping down. He's completely naked. <laughs> And this whole other family walks into the flat, <laughs> and and, and, uh, and the, the the father of that family is like, "What are you doing here?" And the, and Cleese has got like a hat around his penis or whatever, and he's just like, "I should I should ask you the same question." <laughs> um, and uh, he was like, "It was like the, my friend gave me this flat. He gave me the keys, and I am supposed to. I am here for the weekend or whatever." And and uh, and so there's this big mix up and everything. I, I and then that leads to like Kevin Klein, uh, who's who. I, this is so this is this movie's got so many confusing things about it. But like Kevin Klein is actually dating Jamie Lee Curtis for real in this movie, mm-hmm. and he has this problem with being called stupid uh throughout it and he's and then during this whole scene where they're about to have sex kevin klein has found his way into this flat and he's like spying on them to make sure that they don't go too far and uh and so they there's a point where they're in the bed and they're like like making fun of him not knowing that he's in in the room and he goes he's like and john cleese is like yeah and he's so stupid he's like don't call me stupid just comes out of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) don't call me stupid um, but the movie is just so funny and so good. And I highly recommend it. And if you haven't seen it in forever, watch it again. It's so good. Well, I'm Kevin Klein at the top of his powers, when he's doing stuff like this and when he's doing stuff like Dave and doing stuff like in and out and pirates of Penzance, like you've never seen a more charismatic, funny, like perfectly comic timing actor ever mm-hmm. honestly and, yeah. and this is right in the middle of all that he plays a little bit against type because he's playing a gangster instead of you know the lovable goofball like you know president dave or anything uh but it's it's really really great seeing him when he's at the top of his powers which obviously stopped in 1992 with consenting adults it did it also did. you are doing a huge disservice to the real best comedic timing of all time and that's the Smothers Brothers. Mm. Ah, yeah. Mm. Okay. I'm actually literally 50% joking and 50% not because their no, timing great. is incredible. Um, but their humor is not for everybody. So, <clears throat> yeah. there you go. Um, but yeah, I, I I would again recommend that uh, Fish Called Wanda because it's just uh, it's a movie we don't get to talk about. I think there is some problematic stuff in it. In a, back in ni- even back in 1987, people were talking about how. Kevin Klein making fun of Michael Palin's stutter was not cool. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so he does that a lot for 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 the comedy in the movie. And thankfully, the whole movie doesn't rely on that. Um. Then another Johnny Depp from Hell. The um, uh, yeah, Brothers. he was in London for a while in the early two thousands. Yeah, this is a Hughes Brothers movie about the Jack the Ripper. Um. For me, the experience of uh, From Hell was I was not working in movie theaters at the time. And Jeremy was still working at Hollywood 27 or had just come back to Hollywood 27 and asked him if I could see From Hell. And I uh, got in to see the movie 
and about halfway through fell asleep and I have not seen, <laughs> have not seen that movie. Do not know how it ends or oh, anything. really? No. Well, listen, I, I saw the whole thing. Um, and I know less than you do about it. So <laughs> what? I remember no. not liking it in a, in a, in a great amount. Really? Yeah, but I'd been burned already. Like the Hughes brothers, what was their first one? Was it uh Minister Society, I think. Right. And then Dead Presidents came after that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Dead Presidents I did not enjoy. Um, uh, but a lot of people did. And then they went to From Hell and I was like, I'm gonna give these guys another shot, and it was not my bag. Um I think uh isn't Heather Graham uh ruining this movie? I mean, she's, in this movie? In, she's in it, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, listen. Okay. <laughs> Here comes the defense of Heather Graham. I Sit can't. No, no. no, she she's got an accent in here that like makes Keanu in 1992's Dracula look really good because she's doing she's doing like Keanu was just trying to do like a like a I'm going to drop my Oz and that's how I'm going to be British and but but she went for it. God bless her. God bless her. She went for it and said, I'm going to do a specific Cockney North London, like the only dialect spoken in this street, and I'm going to nail it. And it sounded like, I I don't know what it sounded like. It sounded like nails on chalkboard. It was awful. (laughs) And Johnny Depp now, Johnny Depp is, is terrific in this movie. I like this movie a lot. I like the colors. I like the decisions that they went with. Ian Holm is really good in this. Johnny Depp plays... Almost a, a, like a derivative of his Sleepy Hollow character, where he's an investigator that's a little bit like queasy around blood, and but he's investigating the Jack the Ripper stuff, and he's also, by the way, nursing an opium addiction. <laughs> as so, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, as you do, uh, so uh, yeah, so he's kind of uh, juggling that. Robbie Coltrane is his um, partner, I believe, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think everything around trying to figure out who Jack the Ripper is. By the way, at the end of this movie, they do reveal who they think Jack the Ripper was. um, Famously unsolved case. Um, But uh, Heather Graham, this is not a spoiler, Heather Graham's character is a prostitute and she's being targeted uh, because he targeted prostitutes. And uh, yeah, if man, that's a bad accent. That's a bad accent. (laughs) Uh, But the rest of the movie, I think is very watchable. Uh, got a very satisfying conclusion. I think Johnny Depp is fantastic in this. All right. Uh, we definitely needed to talk about Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. That's for <laughs> did, they go to, did they go to London for that? Yeah, man. Yeah. I they, never uh, saw this. <laughs> they, uh, so first of all, Bill Murray somehow, and he makes fun of this in uh, Zombieland, Zombieland 2, something like that. Uh, he actually famously agreed to do the sequel. Uh, to voice Garfield for some reason. And uh, they go over and Garfield has like an identical twin. That's like the Prince of England, even though he's a cat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> Christ. Well, it's because the King or the queen or whatever dies and she wills everything to her cat. So he's, that's what happens. He's the, that's he's how it thing. works. And, uh, and Garfield is, they go with John Arbuckle and, and Fiona Apple. Did you know whatever. Henry the eighth was a poodle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was eight and a half. <laughs> yes, 
this is a this is a terrible movie. I actually kind of liked the first one. Uh, I watched it with my kid and everything, but this I haven't seen awful. either of them. Um, the next on the list is the Ghost Writer, uh, not Ghost Writer, but Ghost Writer. <laughs> a writer. I'm a writer. I'm a, I'm trying to write in here. Um, oh, I watched this because Barrett said it was good and I liked it. This is uh, you did like this it. Is Thomas Crown and Obi Wan. Right? Yeah, it's, 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 it stars Thomas Crown and Obi Wan, and uh, it's directed by Chinatown. And, uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> we should start using the shorthand for the rest of the show. <laughs> I love it. Uh, oh man, uh, I really liked this a lot. Um, Pierce Brosnan is the right is the writer, right? I mean, Ewan McGregor is the ghost writer. Correct. Yeah, and, and Pierce Brosnan and is the ex prime minister. Pierce, yeah, Pierce. Bro- yeah, and as he, as Ewan McGregor goes along and writes about this dude's life, he figures out that there's some dark and sinister shit, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, it turns into a big mystery. Uh, this movie's really, really good. Uh, I don't know how much we can say about it uh, without spoiling it, though. Not really a whole lot. Uh, it, it, you've summarized it perfectly. Um, because it, it's funny. Pierce Brosnan plays the prime minister with all this charm as, as a politician would and really brings him in and everything kind of gets him to trust him and everything. And then when he starts learning a little bit more and digging a little deeper, uh, it's, it's a nice juxtaposition with how he's behaving versus what may be like uh, in the closet. When he digs Uh, a little deeper, he finds out the prime minister has willed everything to his cat. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, uh, but uh, th- uh, there's a, that's a high recommend. Obviously, definitely. obviously, if you are uh, averse to Roman Polanski, you don't want to you don't want to go anywhere around to this movie. But um, but it's a it's a good it's a really good movie. Um, next on the list is The Great Muppet Caper. Yeah. Ooh, my least favorite Muppet movie. Really? Are you serious? Um, well, Muppets yeah. Must Wanted must be the uh muppets most wanted it's probably tied for the bottom and then the rest are all pretty good well they did that wizard of oz tv thing with uh ashanti or i can't remember who. <laughs> it was ashanti wasn't it was it ashanti uh, <laughs> it was somebody somebody like ashanti that was yeah. that one doesn't count um <clears throat> but the great muppet caper yeah, of the original three, for sure, my least favorite. Um, it's not the Empire Strikes Back of this trilogy. Um, <clears throat> but there's a lot of British jokes and like the the, the London bus and the the baseball diamond. And uh, yeah. Tra- Charles Grodin is in this. He's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of like the, the dream sequences here don't land for me the way they do in a lot of Muppet movies. And uh yeah, I just don't. I don't. It's not my bag, baby. I'm sorry. Is this the one that has the the red-handed joke in it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. What color are his hands now? Right. Right. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing I remember about Great Muppet Caper. Yeah. Um, I haven't. Uh, I have not seen it in a long time. I saw it as a kid. Well, um, Jeremy, would you admit that even? like bad Muppets are still like in this heyday, like are still fun to watch. Um, yes, this is not like from the Muppets with Jason Siegel to Muppets most wanted. This is not right. that kind of a step down in quality. Um, it just, 
didn't it just never grabbed me um maybe i should watch it again um but uh it just never grabbed me the way the other ones did uh but yeah no it's not it's not that bad a, a, yeah. an average muppet movie is still better than most movies so yeah <laughs> um uh happy go lucky a mike lee movie that i have not seen um oh. i've heard this is good oh my god i love this movie so much this is sally hawkins uh playing a character that's that's really really engaging so the the title is happy go lucky meaning that she's like a teacher i believe uh she's like in her 30s and she's just cool with life like she's it, it just whatever happens uh she can pretty much like shake it off or she can pretty much deal with it um even though she's single and like she's trying to find a mate she's trying to find maybe a little bit more of a job and everything and people just don't get it people don't understand how she can uh, do this like she'll get into arguments or she'll get in, or she'll get into places where she should be arguing and she should be defending herself uh she'll get into like one of her, her kids are is a bully and rather than discipline him she'll talk to the kid and find out that he's in an abusive family and stuff like that and figure out what's going on and it's just it, it'll fill your heart with gladness uh it's it's fantastic. Take away yeah. all my sadness. Take away all your sadness. <laughs> Ease my trouble. That's what you do. <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> this was uh, 2008. So this is one of the like a, a, a movie that my wife and I threw on, not knowing anything about it, uh, but it uh, is really good. Very good. Um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the Harry Potter franchise is obviously what? Uh, yeah, I know, I know. I thought it was Scandinavia too, but those um, kids were British. <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess where do we where do we uh where do we stand on individual movies of the Harry Potter franchise? Uh, which do th- do you think that beginning to end this is a success except for the part one of uh deathly hallows uh yeah jeremy yeah. have you read these books no okay no okay. i actually think young adult books are for dweebs yes <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking of course no, I, uh, me wrong. I read I, there was a i read the first the first book before the first movie came out and the second book before the second movie came out and then I, I, it was always just when the movie was about to come out, except for Deathly Hallows. I, I went ahead and bought that the day that it came out because I knew some asshole was going to say, <laughs> oh, guess what happens? You know, so I went ahead and got that and read it like that week, even though <laughs> there were people who read, who got that book, the midnight openings at Barnes and Noble. They got the book at midnight. And they were done with the book by six o'clock in the morning or whatever. Or maybe read that first. Yeah, the the speed reading thing is something that apparently I've read like anybody can do if you just I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a matter of not going back over lines that you've gone over and just Mm. basically getting I don't know, I guess you're getting the gist of everything as you read over it. Hmm. Um but I don't know enough about it to really know, but yeah, people read that book. They got they stayed in line. Got the <laughs> that was the funny thing. They stayed in line, got that book, read it, 
and they were done with it. And then like, I was like, I went to Barnes and Noble the next day, just walked in, got the, got the book and yeah. walked out. Yeah, I'm like, like a normal human being. I didn't have to wait in line. I um, Man, that's how I feel about. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. You know, it's got one of your Pamela Anderson jokes, weren't you? Moving on. Moving on. Um, Did you guys like the first one? I know we were the the sin counter was. Hard on it, but uh, you know this thing. Well, we were notoriously harder on things once we really expanded the. Yeah, the, this is true. We used to we used to really hammer stuff and like uh, even be willing to be repetitive if we wanted to on those <laughs> things. But, um, but uh, no, I I I actually think the 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 they're very good. Those first couple are very good. Uh, it gets really good with Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm. Um, and then, um, and then I think Mike Newell takes Goblet of Fire and Goblet of Fire is yep. the weakest of the whole thing. That's book or movie. Um, yeah, it, th- yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, I know that they, they're, that she's trying to break this up and have it not be about Voldemort the whole time. Let's make a Triwizard tournament. Let's make this, uh, a fun type of, let's not make Quidditch a big deal all the time, all that. But then by the end of it, oh, guess what? We're going to put Voldemort in it anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, well, yeah, and, and why the fuck is Victor Crumb like an all-world Quidditch player that they go to see in the World Cup, but he's also a fucking high school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, he's basically the Doogie Howser of Quidditch. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> but he also looks like he shaves like three times a day. That's the thing, man. He looks like a 35-year-old man. The creepiest <laughs> shot in that whole movie is him walking into the dance with uh, Tiny Hermione. Because um, <laughs> she's like a sophomore. Or yeah. like a, you know, he looks like, like an NFL player next to like a 12-year-old. It's really disturbing. I mean, all you have to do, though, guys, is when you see that scene, she's secretly in love with Ron Weasley the whole time. That's, right. Uh, That's right. That's right. That totally makes sense. Anyway, oh, yeah. the the fourth movie is, is is the weakest, mainly just because of the source material. I yeah. I think if I think if they could, I don't know. I guess it would have been disappointing to Harry Potter fans if they didn't throw Voldemort in there somehow. Because I mean, they've built him up at this point that he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. And then if they just took a detour and and just did one of their old, you know, standalone episodes of Harry Potter where there was no Voldemort or whatever, then it might've been a bit, you know, but I still, I still felt like he was just kind of wedged into that story. It is. They do have, that's the premiere, I think of the death eaters, like the, the actual, where they come down and like fuck up the Triwizard, not the Triwizard cup, but the the world cup. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a really creepy visual. Of course, the, the one before this, uh, the Quaran one, is where they the Dementors are uh, introduced. Yeah, and then you do have your first real death uh, from Cedric, like kid death, I guess, um, in this one, uh, which you know it kind of raises the stakes. You know, before when they were turning kids into stone and stuff like that, it seemed like there were stakes, but nobody died. Uh, up until until the the fourth one. So yes, you're right. It is the the least one uh, from a you know content perspective. But there are some interesting elements they introduce. And then an interesting thing happens where I think Order of the Phoenix is not a great book, but it turned into a great movie. Um, they nailed that visual. Nailed yeah. it. 
David mm-hmm. Yates takes over mm-hmm. for the rest of the series on that one. And um and the the Order of the Phoenix, especially the the point where Bellatrix does that Avada Kedavra uh, spell on uh Gary Oldman, uh, you know, that that that's just done so well and so shocking and powerful and everything. Um uh, I really, really loved how Order of the Phoenix came out, even though the book itself, I had, I was like, yeah, okay, kind of like the book, okay, I guess. And the last 40 minutes are just a ride. Like, even before she does that spell, when the Order of the Phoenix shows up to save the day, and they're flying around, and yeah, yeah they're right. in, in white poofs of light, and they're like, zap, zap, zappity, zap, and then it ends with that Voldemort fucking Dumbledore battle that I will say for the 12th time is more thrilling than anything in any modern Star Wars movie mm-hmm. ever yeah. made. Any of the prequels, any of the J.J. sequel, uh, it is. it gives me goosebumps to even think about watching that again, and especially when Voldemort goes fire dragon monster and does that cackle <laughs> shot of that. <laughs> God, it's, it's like perfection. I love yeah. it so much. And 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 J.K. Rowling really sort of understood uh, her audience on this because because uh, the people who picked this up early were people who were like Harry Potter's age, yeah. uh, and mm-hmm. as it got older, she wrote older on it, and so stuff like killing off characters became routine and devastating mm-hmm. and it became very it came became a darker series and uh it's it's uh it, it's actually very thrilling it's amazing that they were able to get all of these movies i think in general all the movies are are pretty well done yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and uh and uh it's got to be it's got to be the for me uh, if in a series that has eight movies in it um to have seven out of eight yeah again that part one didn't need to happen uh yeah. on deathly hallows um uh, to have seven out of eight great, like good to great movies, is a is a miracle. It's a feat. No, I agree because we 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 debate film fans. We debate what's the greatest trilogy yeah. of all time <laughs> because it's hard enough to get three good movies, and we shower praise on the MCU because they made twenty movies and about fourteen of them were good to great, right? Yeah, or yeah. at least half of them. And here's eight movies. And at least about seven of them are good to great. It's it, looking back, it's crazy they were able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed like we're getting past this uh, splitting up uh, a, a a movie into two parts because well, obviously Mockingjay or was it Mock? Yeah, Mockingjay was was one. Uh, the Twilight does it f- feel like maybe people are saying. Eh. Yeah, we can probably do this. No, I don't. No. I just don't think there is anything ha- that has been big enough to consider to make it into two parts. Um, uh, the you, you know your biggest franchises: Harry Potter, Hunger Games, Twilight, and um, oh, yeah, Lord of the Rings. But the the thing that they did with Lord of the Rings was they separated Hobbit into three. Yeah, on that one, um, but. Uh, the uh those were the big ones like there what what else is out there right now that has that kind of impact though what kind of book series right now has that kind of impact that those do 
Yeah, there's not a, I don't think there's a series right now that's blowing up anywhere near as much as those ones that you mentioned, or even the ones you didn't mention, like Maze Runner and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Eriodite, so love me, whatever that's called. Um, <laughs> disinterested, disaffected, dissenters, uh, Shaley uh, Woodley. Well, um, that's, the, uh, oh yeah, Divergent. Divergent. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, they like they like those were now there's something that I can see where Barrett's going with on that because I it, it's either the it's either the Maze Runner series or the Divergent series they were thinking about doing that with at some point. But they've they clearly overestimated the uh, appeal of those books. Yep. And then when they made the movies either they either they overestimated it or they made the movies and nobody gave a shit. And just realized that they couldn't do that with those franchises after a while. I think, yeah, what is it? They did a Divergent series, ended up not even finishing out. That's how bad. Right, right. Yeah. right. And Maze Runner, um, he got hurt and he was out of commission for like the lead actor. Dylan O'Brien? Uh, yeah, he was out for like a year and a half or a year or so. So they ended up coming out with that last one so much later that people just forgot, didn't care. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of times they look at these series, I think, and they're like, well, this could be the next, but it it really has to have, you have to know. I mean, you have to know that it is before you yep. even get in there. I think they tried to do that with Golden Compass. Golden Compass was another one that had a, like a big following. but Well, and they even turned it around 10 years later this past year and turned it into a series on HBO and BBC, mm-hmm. His Dark Materials, which... Have you heard anything about that? Because no. I haven't. Which means no. it came and went, and it must not have been all that great because no one was raving about it or telling me to watch it. It's just it's done. They're going to make a season two, but um, I don't think I don't think they've handled that material well twice now. Yeah, the only thing that I can think of that even comes near close, and they fucked it up, was Dark Tower. There you go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And and they're like, let's just cram seven books into one movie. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine all Harry Potter, everything happens in all the Harry Potter books <laughs> happening in one movie. <laughs> like in the first, the first 10 minutes. Wow, I'm in yeah. Hogwarts. Oh, it's Voldemort. He's, he's, he's killing me. Yeah. The first 10 minutes, he solves the riddle, goes down into that basement and fights Voldemort. And then like... Like by the end of it, it's like it's like uh, all right, we figured out the Horcrux puzzle. That was amazing. <laughs> There'd be like some point where somebody's like, "We're going through puberty really fast." Yeah, exactly. It's like is it? It's it's like be really bad when Victor Crumb is taking like eleven year olds from my exactly. Yeah, see a two minute point where Daniel Radcliffe is like is like. It's like, we seem to be aging very rapidly, Dumbledore. What's going on with that? Is it magic? Is it and something? Dumbledore d- d- ignores him. It doesn't yeah, tell him. He ignores him. Like, You'll figure like, it out, like, Harry. Some questions don't deserve to be answered, <laughs> asshole. And then midway through the movie, they replace Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> With no explanation. I was going to say they cut the Weasley and they do like a search for Spock thing where Spock is going from baby to adult in like a day and a half. And he's like, it hurts. (laughs) Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and 
other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, everybody, it is time to talk about Mubi once again. And there are so many good things on there. And by the way, they've done something new. What? Yes, they have. They've got a library now. Oh, snap. It's not just the 30 movies, which is in itself awesome. Mm -hmm. The 30 movies in a month. It's also they're, they're sort of archiving some of their titles. And they have a an extensive library right now mm-hmm. uh, on the service. Um, uh, if you, uh, I know there was one movie that I was talking about that if you guys missed it, the Once Upon a Time in Anatolia is on there. Yeah, I, saw that. I would I would highly recommend watching that movie, uh, and it's in their library. Yeah, and even the library itself is is curated into different. Uh, genres, subgenres mm-hmm. of like you know new Canadian auteurs or like Japanese historical sim- cinema uh, documentaries, um, and uh, you know all kinds of different like uh, specific showcases that they've run over the past few years. So it's not like you just get like this orgy of of movies that you have to sift through and everything. It, they're separated to where you know kind of what you're getting into, and of course because it's movie, they do it so particularly and so uh they explain it so well to where you you have an idea of do i want to watch this or not and it's awesome yeah. they have a whole thing with the uh, women with cameras where there's just a long list of movies directed by women yeah uh underneath that uh that uh, sub that subcategory um this is a brand new thing the library right and it's mm-hmm. uh free to all movie members if i understand mm-hmm. this correctly and the, right. uh, <clears throat> they're still going to curate uh, a new movie every day for the, you know, the, you know, I guess it's a new movie every day, basically. That's, mm-hmm. And then the, the entire library, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, consists of previous movies that have been in the, you know, curated monthly new movie every day section, right? I don't think, I don't think every single one of them have been, but there are a lot that have been in that lineup. (laughs) Every movie that's in the library has been in the lineup at some point. Okay. That's what I was trying to, you articulate it better than I did. (laughs) It took me a while to (laughs) wrap my head. The current lineup is, uh, is ridiculous right now too, because you're, if you, if you have ever wanted to see some of the, um, the most, uh, the classic, uh, silence that there are going mm-hmm. on right now. There's, uh, there's the, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's the Weimar Germany or Weimar mm-hmm. Germany. Uh, yeah, one or, one or the other. Uh, I'm going to go with Weimar Germany. Um, the, uh, they have, uh, a couple of movies from FW Murnau and a couple from Fritz Lang, 
Metropolis, of course, leads that uh, leads the way on that. There's mm-hmm. also Nosferatu, which is the total ripoff, by the way, of the Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> they had they changed all the character names, but they were still sued successfully back in the day. But this is one of the all time like most influential silent films uh, ever made. And then you know they came out with a movie in 2000 with Willem Dafoe playing Max Shrek called Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah, which that, was actually really good. It yeah. was. Yeah, which was uh, uh, talking, uh, which was a movie that was based on the legend that Max Shrek was an actual vampire. Was an actual vampire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but Nosferatu is one of those one of those movies that uh, it, it, that's the way I feel like horror should be done uh, in a, in a lot of ways. It should sort of pattern itself after this a little bit. The images are so eerie in Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a movie called Spies on there that is fantastic. Oh, this, this is the other Fritz Lang? This is the Fritz Lang, other Fritz Lang that's on there. This That movie, Spies, has almost everything that you've ever seen in a spy movie, except for the Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and it's from 1928. You can tell how ahead of its time this guy was. Yeah, the plot the plot in that movie is has got all the little twists and turns that we've come to expect from spy movies in general. Uh, and that's uh, from a movie that's nearly a hundred years old. So uh, those are those are fantastic and and well worth checking out the service for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, you've covered the gamut. You've got you know classics, classic. You've got mid-century classics. Uh, the Man with the Golden Arm, uh, featuring yeah. Frank uh, uh, Frank. Uh, I almost said Frank Costello. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring Frank Sinatra as a heroin addict, uh, which uh, Chris has talked about on the the podcast before, uh, but that's an intriguing movie. And then you have some uh, some newer movies. I watched one from the Netherlands that's like a uh, it's a road trip story. It, it's it says it's patterned on uh, Jim Jarmusch's uh, Stranger Than Paradise. Uh, it's called Take Me Somewhere Nice. Um, there's a lot of like Itu Mama Tambien in there too, but it's a little bit rougher. Um, it's, it's just kind of like a, it's a very heartfelt, but it's a hard nut to crack movie. And once you do, it's very, very satisfying. Uh, like, it, yeah, Chris said it, there's amazing stuff on here right now, by the way, the URL is movie.com slash cinema 30 days free. I want to talk about one more thing because there's a little section of a, a director. I had, I had no idea about, uh, I'm going to pronounce it. It's a Polish director, Valerian, uh, Borowitz. I think some or Borachik. Um, and it's a director that started off as like a provocateur and a visual artist and, and stuff like that, um, th- that ended up going into almost pornographic films. Yeah. But there's one movie on here in the library, by the way, uh, that, uh, that's called love rights. And ostensibly it would be the most sexualized of all the three that they've got on here. Uh, there's actually four on there before. And the fourth one, Jesus Christ, that's got that. Uh, I can't even describe that one. That's a thing. Uh, but the, <laughs> I'll describe it later on to you guys. Uh, so Love Rights uh, is about a dude that approaches unknowingly a prostitute and this prostitute bringing her, bringing him back to her boudoir. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, she's beautiful. He's attractive. They're going to get it on and everything. What it turns out to be, though, surprisingly so to me, is a real like 
my dinner with Andre before sunset, before sunrise type of dialogue driven movie. Nice. Uh, it takes place in different uh, uh, vignettes. Like at one point they're in uh, the opposite sides of the Metro in Paris. It, it happens in Paris. And they're like, well, why don't you come over here? And she's like, you know what? These, these uh, ceilings are shaped to where the acoustics are perfect. We can talk right here. And so they have this in-depth conversation while the trains are going on. They can hear each other perfectly. They that walk through awesome. the streets of Paris. And, and so, yes, there is the sex itself is the silliest part. And I think probably uh, intentionally so. Um, but, uh, but the rest of it is just absolutely dynamite. And, uh, I would very much, uh, uh recommend love rights and, and kind of looking through this, uh, Valerian Boracic and I'm going to look up more of his stuff. I think it's uh, very interesting. Hmm. Awesome. Well, people need to get themselves some movie right now. That's right. Go to movie.com, M-U-B-I.com slash cinema sense. Not only do you get 30 days free of the 30 movies that are in the main lineup, you get 30 days free of the library too. Mm -hmm. So you've got a mess of curated, beautiful movies that you would otherwise never be uh, exposed to. It's genius. You're going to find beautiful stuff. You're going to find classics. You're going to find new stuff. It'll blow your mind. Do it right now. This is the perfect time to do it. Movie.com slash cinema sins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah man on to something that is terrible Holmes and Watson <laughs> oh Jesus Holmes and Watson I watched this because like um. I said I watch I watch any comedy um they uh yeah I mean this is something Adam McKay's a producer on this I think he was busy directing Vice um on this uh when, while this was uh going on but I feel like this is a kind of movie when you're if you're going to get Farrell and you're going to get Riley back and do the stepbrothers and, and Talladega nights and all that, you really need Adam McKay to sort of wrangle that in, come up mm -hmm. with some ideas, do something other than this. Cause this would have been, this could have been really fun. This could have been yeah. really, really fun. Although I, I think I saw one review that said, Sherlock Holmes has been parodied so much that maybe there isn't any way to do it do it a, a good in a good way anymore like like even back in the 40s they were already parodying sherlock holmes so mm -hmm. like maybe this wasn't a good good material to pick on dude no. i don't i don't this is the laziest screenplay i've ever seen they were mm -hmm. going for jokes that like a toddler would maybe find funny mm -hmm. i I've, I've never seen lazier stuff and i can't believe i don't understand when Comedic actors, I know everybody's got to work and they probably wanted to work together and everything, but like, how do you not do a rewrite on there or improv or do something to make this just a tiny bit smarter, snappier? Just it's, it's the dumbest movie I've seen in forever. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, a lot of times when a movie like this comes out and there's like all these bad reviews, I'm like, okay, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let this slide for a bit and then I'm going to watch it away from all of that. And that's what I did with Holmes and Watson. And, you know, that time away did not make this any better. I mean, it mm. just, there was nothing mm. that made that funnier. Happy time murders is, uh, is, is probably just as bad as this is. It, I'd, I'd say it's worse, but 
it's it's the same thing with happy time murders that i had i was like i was like okay i'm gonna give this some time and then i'm gonna try to discover this on my own and man yeah though they were right people were right about these these movies i mean the guy wrote uh eaton cohen he wrote tropic thunder and then he wrote this yeah, well, although but also Justin Thoreau wrote Tropic Thunder too. So which one? Oh, so he had yeah, some help. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the thing about screenplays like that is you have Ben Stiller writing, you have Justin Thoreau writing. Um, there, who knows who's responsible for what? And then there's a lot of uncredited screenwriters a lot of times who come mm-hmm. in and do things. And so the Bruce Valanches of the screenwriting world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, yeah, Holmes and Watson's bad. Um, Hook, uh, more Peter Pan bullshit for you. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Uh, directing the uh, directing the movie that supposedly focuses on Hook, but it really doesn't. It nope. focuses on Robin Williams and 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 his Peter Pan. And this is a this has become a trope. I don't know if it was a trope then. I don't know of any other movies before Hook that did this, but where and Christopher Robin did this too, uh, where the the character who was a child in the original story has grown up and doesn't believe in the thing that he saw when he was a kid anymore. And now the creatures and the people from the land that he went to have to convince him that, uh, this was real and that he remember the magic. Yeah. Not being a dick about it's being so stuffy about everything. Uh, Alice in Wonderland did that too. Um, they did the same, same sort of deal with that. That's what there's a right, you know, like uh, Peter Pan or Robin Williams is like a, I guess a boring businessman dad guy doesn't even get to his mm-hmm. uh, kid's baseball game in time and all that type of thing. And, and then he's, uh, he's suddenly thrust back into Neverland. That's uh, right. but, the lost boys, the, the movie is, is, is named hook and you have Dustin Hoffman and you just, you kind of give him like, he's just your regular villain. I don't know why they called this movie hook. Yeah, that's a good question. I think maybe, do you think maybe there was a rights issue where somebody else would be able to call it Peter Pan and they couldn't? It it Hmm. could be. It could be. This is one of those movies from my childhood that we were talking about on Slack earlier today that I loved. Childhood. I think I was a teenager when this came out. That I loved and it played great to me and just doesn't ultimately hold up very well for me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the most recent time I saw it was probably when we did sins for it a few years back. Yep. Um, and you know, it didn't have the same magic it did when I was younger. Uh, I, I regret to inform you. Oh, it's definitely a young man's movie. And I think that's, <clears throat> that's the point of the story too, is, uh, you know, Hoffman is playing so over the top Hoskins, Bob Hoskins is Smee is playing so over the top, uh, Robin Williams it takes forever, but once he does go over the top, he goes way over the top. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure that Julia Roberts's Tinkerbell wants to fuck Peter, and that's I don't the know most how disturbing part of the whole movie. I don't know how that that's going to work. I don't either. Well, I've got an maybe idea. She can wrap herself around like a bunch, and <laughs> she she's pretty small. She's pretty small, man. She can Jeremy just, has an idea. She can just go up the pooper. <laughs> I mean, that would count, right? <laughs> would that not? Am it I wrong? Sexual relations, yes. <laughs> Barrett, Barrett won't even look at me. He's got his back to us. 
Which she would fit is all I'm saying. She's uh, smiling. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> all the ways that that could have gone, I didn't didn't expect that. What about the wings? How are the wings going to f- Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is like how people wanted wanted Ant-Man to shrink down and go up Thanos' ass. Exactly. <laughs> start calling her Thumbelina after that. <laughs> go up the pooper. God damn. <laughs> Your brain is fucked up. I admit it. Yep, yep. Oh, my I like this movie, though. This movie is, is, is uh, very much a product of its time. It's like the most... 1990 movie ever made even though it was 1991 yeah <laughs> i mean it probably was shot in it probably was shot in 1990 but yeah that's probably yeah. true uh but uh yeah i don't know i don't know if i ever liked this movie and i was 14 when it came out so mm. um mm. I don't know. It's it wasn't it wasn't my bag as far and I and I and I was I think even back then Spielberg was my favorite director so like a movie like that not not appealing to me was was disappointing um but uh on to hysteria now i've never seen this but barrett puts in a helpful note vibrators and such yeah (laughs) (laughs) what is this movie it's uh okay so if you if you've psychology 101 you know that uh freud was uh interested in hysteria right and uh that's that's what he diagnosed a lot of upper class women uh, with to explain away whether they were sexually frustrated or whether they were just anxious or whether they were depressed. They were hysterical because they weren't getting the sexual satisfaction that they needed. And so this focuses on, you know, the, the specific treatment for quote hysteria. And it's these it starts off as being these expert, these doctors massages, which basically means they jack them off. And the women have an orgasm, they feel better, they go, and then they get treatment and everything. Uh, I swear to God, this is the point. (laughs) This is the movie. Like a bunch of guys whacking uh, women off. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's that's the way you do that. Yeah, I see your hand movements there. uh, Like the Braves chop. (laughs) I see. (laughs) So anyway, I swear to God, somebody, if memory serves, this is 2011. Yeah, 2011 it came out. Uh, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is the main protagonist in this. Uh, Felicity Jones is in this, Rupert Everett. Uh, and Hugh Dancy is the main doctor that's trying to do this. Swear to God, he's like David Duchovny in um, in Zoolander or the hand model in Seinfeld. His hand starts getting cramped up. And so <laughs> he's like, I can't whack these women off enough. So what am I going to do? Goes to, I believe it's Jonathan Price. Who's like, I've got this battery powered thing or like this electric thing that I've been using for like, I don't know, dental wear or something like that. He figures out a way to get this to work on the on the bean to make them like mm-hmm. actually to, to, to work. And that cures the hysteria and everything. So now they want to mass market these uh, these vibrators uh, to cure the hysteria that women now know is just sexual frustration or other kind of maladies. So- this movie is basically exactly like Joy, only vibrators instead of mops. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I'm hearing you say. 
I haven't seen Joy, but yes. <laughs> it definitely is. Definitely is. Uh no, this is delightful. This is uh yeah, I mean it uh they end up uh mass marketing the vibrators and Excellent. the rest is history. Oh, it was an electric uh feather duster, by the way. Mm. Uh that that mm-hmm. gave the idea for the electric massager, the Persian mm-hmm. massager. So uh, even in eighteen eighty, even in eighteen eighty, people were going, I'm too lazy to dust. I need a machine to do it for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm also too lazy to whack off myself. Yeah. <laughs> they certainly they certainly discovered that on accident. You know, that wasn't that wasn't something they just tried. They was just you know, Feather Duster was just like hanging around on the counter somewhere and like it was on and that's how they just stumbled on it being a sexual pleasure device. You know, um, I am I am making this very uh funny and it is a funny movie. I think it's it's categorized as a, a comedy. Directed by a woman, Tanya Web- Wexler, uh, but the the treatment for uh, you know hysteria that got out of bounds was a hysterectomy, so it wasn't like it was it was a, a joke. Like uh, basically, dude, that's and, where that gets that name. No, I, I mean I think there's histo is it explains something about the lady bit. Shut up! That's where that got its name. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so, but anyway, they, they stopped that. Th- this helped stop that practice and that kind of thing. Oh, uh, next one on the list is in the loop. The Armando Iannucci political. God, I gotta this go watch so this funny. again. <clears throat> I only watched it that one time in like, I don't know. It was like 2012 when you recommended it to me and I watched it. Um, and I loved it and I don't think I've seen it since, man. It's uh, nobody ever talks about this movie either. Uh, I mean, they, I mean, they, I guess they talk about it enough, I guess it's, it's not, I don't know. I guess, I guess since Armando and Iannucci has become more famous over the years that people like to bring up Veep more and they like to bring up, uh, uh, the, the BBC Death of Stalin. Uh, well, Death of Stalin, but the, he has a BBC show that's popular called, uh, um, oh, in the cut, the thick of it. The thick so, of it, yeah, yeah. In the cut is in the, the Meg cut. Ryan. Show. <laughs> Not in the, the cut same is thing. The, in the cut is the Meg Ryan shows her Bush movie. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. This is uh, one of the prettiest podcasts in a long time. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, shows her Bush. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Uh, but no, in the loop is hilarious. It's got that trademark Ar- Armando Iannucci dialogue in it. Uh, Peter Capaldi, that guy mm-hmm. is a force of nature in this movie. Um, but ev- there's so many like you know fun little uh, there's so many fun little uh, cameos and and so, like uh, James Gandolfini shows up uh, in this. He's really funny in it. Um, I-, I love Tom Hollander in this movie. Yeah, he's um, awesome. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, Anna Klumsky is great. Um, yeah, he's he he's you can see him starting to build out his his troop. Like Zach Woods is in there, and like mm-hmm. uh, Klumsky, and you know, I mean, the the guy works with specific people. Yeah, in the loop is great. I, I also probably need to see this again. Uh, it may have been since it came out for me as well. Um, but uh, but uh, high recommend there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, here's a movie that I feel like everybody my age saw, but I didn't. King Ralph. Oh, oh wow! This is yeah. oh. uh, <laughs> you saw this, right, Jeremy? No, I was strangely. Uh, my parents filed this under not appropriate. Uh, I'm not sure why. Really? Well, I know why, because John Goodman was on Roseanne, and Roseanne was not appropriate. Okay, um, yeah, this movie is like straight up PG. Oh, I'm sure it is, but there were, there, uh, my family had weird rules. They love me. They're awesome. Uh, but <laughs> I've never seen King Ralph, and I've, I don't feel like I missed much. Oh, I feel no. like under that, so I feel like under that particular restriction, though, I could get you, I could stop you from watching any movie at that point. Like, oh, uh, well, John Goodman's on Roseanne. I'm not going to let you watch King Ralph. And like, you uh, know. Don't I, get me started. Hey, that's the Cosby <laughs> show. The Cosby show was the most allowed show in my house. And look where we are now. So. <laughs> uh, um, so you've seen King Ralph Barrett? I've seen King Ralph a ridiculous amount of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the entirety of the royal family is posing for a picture uh, and lightning strikes and kills all of them. And the next in line for succession is American-born John Goodman, who and John Goodman plays a leading man in this movie. This is how fucked up the 90s were. And it's uh, like he, he goes, <laughs> he's like, I think he's like a New York, like regular dude. And so he goes over and he has to, he's, he has to become King of England. And Peter O'Toole is his butler, his uh, advisor. And this is Peter O'Toole being Peter O'Toole. Uh, even though it's a comedic role, like he brings a lot of gravitas to this. John Hurt is in this is like the evil. Uh, I'm going to take your, 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 take your jab uh, type of thing. <laughs> And then, uh, so, so Ralph goes out like one of the first nights and meets a, meets a stripper, uh, and he, he likes her and he wants to, to hook up with her and he wants to, to marry her and make her the queen. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's not, that's frowned upon. And so that, that kind of kicks off the whole thing, but I, I, I love it. John Goodman is doing the whole fish out of water. I'm American. I'm, we should set up a bowling alley in Buckingham palace and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to really respect the uh the crown and all that stuff and eventually he turns the tides he gets everybody kind of you know less stuffy and obviously the monarchy has never been the same since that's Um, true it was fun it was fun i watched a bunch and i love it (laughs) uh then we have the king's speech um Mm. okay uh I know that we're not in high, we don't hold this movie in high regard, but is this movie good? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I like Colin Firth in it a lot. He's really good in it for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, uh Bel- Bellatrix is his wife, right? Who? Bellatrix. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, uh, Helena Bottom Carter. I thought you said Bill Belichick and I was like, well, that's. Not well, he's in the movie, but he doesn't play the wife. Oh, oh, okay. I was like, I was like, I know, I don't think they were that progressive back in the day. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is. I think I, I hold a lot of scorn towards this movie because you have a movie like Inception, which is way better in 2010, and there was it, it rode this wave like it came out. And it became this thing like, ah, oh, the King speech is so good. Look at Colin Firth. And, and, uh, they even like, uh, I think, uh, was this, was this Weinstein company or Miramax that did this or whatever? I think it was like, they, they wanted to come out with a PG version 
Where, oh yeah, it was Weinstein. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they they wanted to come out with a PG version because there's just that one string of fucks that happened in the montage. I think so. They wanted to make it where it was a PG version so everybody could see it. It had all this hype. It just rode the wave to the Oscar, and uh, and it's just it just doesn't feel deserving to me. But if we were to take it. If, if, if this movie did not get showered with the Oscar nominations, I wonder what we would think of this movie now. Um, would we say, hey, that's that's pretty good. No, no, wasn't much talked about this movie when it came out. It's really good. Probably so. Yeah, it's a nice like slice of life type of thing. And, uh, you know, a guy getting over a major hurdle. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, Fish Called Wanda where they were making fun of uh, Michael Palin's stutter. Mm-hmm. And you can think of, you know, not only a guy that with all this pressure on him, but also like the will and the help of Jeff, Jeffrey Rush, who's really good in this, mm-hmm. uh, to, to finally get over this and make this very, very important speech. Uh, Tremendous yeah, speech. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, the next one on the list are, is The Kingsman, both one and two. The first one, uh, I think, is held in generally high regard. The second I one is that. not. But I yeah. like, I think I like it more than most people do. Mm. Um, it's one of those movies that I don't know. The first time I watched Kingsman 2 uh, was when we send it. And usually if that's the case, I'm, <laughs> I'm too deep into how bad the movie is to really appreciate it. But something about this one, I don't know what it was. It was because it was... It was, I don't know what it is. I, I'm probably wrong. Um, but it was the butt sex. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the first one. First one has some butt sex. Well, well yeah, just at the very end. About but it. Uh, but mm-hmm. they, uh, they, they really hammer it. She <laughs> says, she says, Hey, if you do this for me, I'll let you tinkerbell me. Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> she does say that. <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to tell because she's speaking swedish but that's what she says mm. oh shit. Um, jeremy did you ever see the second one nope and i i may someday i'm not avoiding it but uh, i haven't heard great things i love julianne moore and kingsman too uh mm. but uh like it i there are a lot of things that are just that are very tiresome about it. And, and it, I, I completely understand. Um, but there was something about it when it came, when it was on cable during its little run, like it would be on and I would just allow it to stay on. And I'm like, you know, there's some things in here. I kind of like uh, that, that keep coming up. I'm like, okay. Oh, it's this scene. I'm, I'm all right. I'll watch this scene. This is a good scene. And then there'd be a bunch of like, you know, bullshit. And the, the Elton John cameos, total bullshit. Awful. Hey, is Bruce Greenwood the president in this? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Jesus. Yeah. Bruce Greenwood <laughs> is the president. He's an asshole president. He's like uh he the Julianne Moore is uh, like uh has this uh way like the drugs that she's providing are giving are making people sick and she has the antidote and uh she tells the world's leaders you need to pay me x amount of dollars and I'll give you the antidote and Bruce Greenwood's like we don't, it's like, he's like, we won't respond to terrorists and everything. And people will be happy that these people died because they're a bunch of low life drug users. Even though everything. they're weed smokers. They're yeah. Not like even heroin or drug, like really drugs. It's like they're smoking weed. Yeah. And by the end of it, it's like, 
they like handcuff him at the White House. I'm like, none of this <laughs> bullshit would fucking yeah. happen. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, what do we think of the at least the first one? First one, solid, good. I love yeah, it. Under, it's, underwhelming. It's really fun, stylized action, um, and I can dig it. I don't think it needed any sequels. Mm-hmm. I think it didn't need a prequel. Um, and personally, selfishly, I would like to see Matthew Vaughn move on and do something that's non-Kingsman. He may not be directing that prequel. I don't know for sure. My guess is that he is. Uh, but he's got so much talent. I want to see him do something outside this universe uh, because honestly, after the first movie, it doesn't really interest me very much. He is. Yeah, he did do this prequel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I really like Mark strong uh, in that first one. Um, uh, Taron Edgerton. I mean, he's, he's really good. In he's that. charming. Colin, Colin Firth is awesome. So yeah, the first one, and even though I don't know, I don't know when we were how high we were on Sam, Samuel L. Jackson's little lispy performance that he he did, but I thought that was fun. I uh, thought it was great. I loved the uh, the hyper violent. I'm I'm not a huge violence guy, but I feel like there's very few movies like um, Pineapple Express or like you know uh, even Tropic Thunder that go that over the top with the violence. And make mm-hmm. it to where it's or John Wick is like that to make it comedic. Like you know, they've got the the classical music playing when all the heads are exploding at the end of the movie, and yeah. and like and of course the church scene, uh, which which <laughs> yeah. which is it still makes me feel weird that I'm so like happy about that. But then you go back and you listen to all the stuff that they were saying, and it's just oh, like yeah. man, that's satisfying as hell. Uh, so yeah, I, I think in in that case the hyper violence makes it just just that much better. If they had pulled their punches, I don't think it would have gotten nearly as, as good. Uh, also yeah. introduced most of us to Sophia Botella, and I love Sophia Botella. Uh, she's become a great action star at this point. And, uh, and, and, and totally along the lines of what they are trying to do with that, she's got the blades for feet and everything, and I really, really think mm-hmm. that's just kind of a fun detail that they throw in there. Um, okay. Here's a movie I remember coming out. I've seen parts of it. Um, but this was supposed to be a big summer tentpole launching Heath Ledger into the stratosphere, a knight's tale. Um, oh, did you just say you've never seen this? Uh, I've seen parts of it. Okay. Well, you, this movie is popular. This yes, movie man. has fans, man. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, how do I want to say this? Not very good. Yeah, um, <laughs> I agree. I hate um, this movie. <laughs> there are some bad accents. Uh, there's somebody famous did this. No, it was Brian Helgeland who did uh, L.A. Confidential. Uh, he, well, yeah, it. he wrote he wrote L.A. Confidential was his that's was, right was his thing. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. Did the order come out before this? Oh, it may have. It's uh, another so Shannon Sossman. The order came out after this. Okay, so like after they did A Knight's Tale, Helgeland got together with Ledger, Shannon Sossman, all those people, and, uh, and Mark Addy, and did that movie as well because they enjoyed being together so much. There's some anachronistic stuff in here. Oh, yeah. Um, that I think is why the people who love it love it. Like when the early uh, 
England people start singing "We Will Rock You" and pounding the the fence outside the jousting thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hate that. Um, like super duper duper hate it. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, uh, Vision is pretty good in this. Paul Bettany, <laughs> um, and Heath is he has always been a he was always a charismatic actor. Uh, easy to be charmed by him, uh, but there's a very weak thin story here. A very over the top villain turn from that guy with that strange eye, um, and Rufus Sewell. Rufus Sewell. <laughs> yeah, does he have a strange eye? Both of them are strange. I think I think um, his eyes in general just look look kind of sinister or whatever. He's always the bad guy. Um, yeah, he definitely is. Poor bastard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I saw it. When it came out, I didn't like it. I've seen it in bits and pieces ever since, and I still don't like it. And I'm sorry if you like it. I'm not trying to shit on it. You go on with your bad self, but I don't think mm-hmm. it's very good. Yeah, this was. Shannon Tossman is pretty though. Yeah, she is. Um, this is this was supposed to be, uh, like uh, this was being touted as one of the big movies of 2001, and Mummy Returns came out uh the week before this, and then this was the only movie that came out on May 11th wide. And then right after that, a movie called Shrek came out and just don't know if, I don't think, I don't think it mattered, but it wasn't going to get much of a, it wasn't going to get much of an audience once Shrek hit and, and uh, everything. So I, it just, it just felt like this was being touted as this big summer movie and it just, it just tanked. Um, Funny, uh, Barrett uh, puts down the Lady Godiva and Lady Chatterley movies. Woo, Lady oh Chatterley! Oh my god, yeah, man. I've seen, yeah. I've seen the first Lady Chatterley. They used to play these on Cinemax all the time. Yeah, they did. It would, it'd be like in the time where you were like, you know, nineteen or twenty years old, and like uh, you could stay up until three or four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> They'd have this terribly dubbed softcore porno called Lady Chatterley's Lover on it. And yeah, it's uh, a lot of silk, a lot yeah. of like, you know, see-through uh, uh, satin stuff material. <laughs> material <laughs> material you, you walk out <laughs> you walk out in your silk material <laughs> there's always material sliding upon naked bodies I heard textiles right. were Dread, sexy material is flying in this movie um uh <laughs> Yes, uh, last Christmas, as Jeremy famously coined, Khaleesi Desisi. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's so beautiful. I actually had to, I just had to put that on there, but I haven't seen this. I, uh, I kind of still been. want to. It still looked like an interesting premise. It's Paul Feig. And by the way, did you realize, um, I saw this t- this morning, Paul Feig is coming out like guns blazing about the the political... Uh, climate in which uh, the Ghostbusters remake came out and that being responsible for why it was so derided. And, you know, then there were all these, these links to the other articles about like, Oh, it's totally uh, because we're women that the, the, the movie was so panned. And I'm like, man, really? Like uh, this guy knows what he's doing. He's had a whole lot of success with good movies that are written well. Like, is he really justifying 
the fact he literally ties it to the people hated Hillary and that's what made it in 2016. So toxic to make a movie about women as a remake for Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I completely disagree with this. It was a movie that I wanted to be great. I, yeah. I very much was rooting for it to be great. Um, and it just, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't appeal to me at all. I didn't, I, I, it's just, uh, it's, it, it takes away a lot of that Ghostbusters magic, I feel like. And they, I don't know what they, I, I can't remember exactly what, when we did the sins video for this, I, I seem to have pinpointed what they had, what I felt like they did wrong in this movie, but, uh, I don't remember why I, I responded so, uh, negatively to this movie myself. Mm. Uh, but it's just not funny is what it comes down to. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just not funny. It's not entertaining. There's a couple of scenes in it that are fine. The, the cameos are stupid. Um, yep. you know, so, uh, I hate it when, when people come up with, uh, another reason why their movie failed, because if the movie is going to find an audience, it would have found it by, by now. Mm-hmm if if it was the climate that you were worried about that it's four years later now i mean people would have discovered this and they would be touting it on twitter as this misunderstood masterpiece and i haven't seen that yet although i'm sure i will yeah uh but nobody's seen last christmas right <laughs> nope i just wanted to include it because it's funny uh, a league of extraordinary gentlemen oh boy the oh one boy. that killed Did sean connery Sean Connery has not worked since. He has yeah. not made a movie since 2003. Um, that's his welcome to Mooseport. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, the, what if they made a movie together? Sean Connery and Gene Hackman both come back in the oh, same man, film. That would be so. That would be so awesome. And it's like a two popes kind of thing where they just get to talk the whole time. Oh awesome man, that, that would be would so rule. great. I'm down with that. Um. I did see League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but I do believe this was a movie that possibly on a midnight at Hollywood 27, I may have fallen asleep in. And I know I, I know that I have said that a few times. It's only it only happened like probably five or six times uh, during the time that I've watched movies that I fell asleep. It was so late that I fell asleep. Um, but yeah, this was one of them. I don't remember anything about this. It's um, so boring. This is about like heroes from literature from all over like uh connery plays alan quartermain there's uh dorian gray there's uh Di- dr jekyll and mr hyde there's uh moriarty from uh from sherlock holmes there's uh ishmael uh like the, it's, it's tom sawyer like there's all these literary things together and i think it was a graphic novel that was super well received alan moore and uh, yeah that's right yeah, yeah yeah and uh they completely screwed this up this was a terrible movie terrible yeah this is maybe even worse than the 1998 avengers i swear to god could be Mm. um the the you know i i wonder too if it if it wasn't just this movie that pushed sean connery out into retirement but the fact is uh, he he had skipped on some a few movies that could have really made him into a second career too Uh, he's supposed to be gandalf yeah oh wow um And um Scottish Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> he was weird. It would be like, fly you fucking fools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there were I think uh, I'd... he had <laughs> he'd, he'd, 
Sorry. He had uh, great Scottish brook. <laughs> but he had, he had missed out on Gandalf, and he had missed out on I think a few other big movies in the nineties too. And then by the end of it, he's in like you know two thousand three doing this LXG movie, and he's probably like, well, fuck it, I don't know how to choose the right thing anymore, and um, fuck it, I'm just done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw mm-hmm. his place by the way in the south of France. He's doing all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this guy, this guy's got you know, what do you call it? He's got royalties on royalties on things that he's. Doing. Oh yeah. The next one on this list is the Libertine. Have I seen? I think I've seen this. This movie is <laughs> ugly, uh, but it's very, very captivating. I really, really mm. like it. Yeah, I did mm. see this movie, and I remember not liking it. Um, but I have not. I, I mean, it was. I, it's been since it came out since I've seen it. So, Barrett, you seem to like it. Go ahead. Remember uh, Quills? Remember uh, Matter of yeah, Fact? Yeah, may when, actually when, be. When you had this note next to the Libertine that said Johnny Depp gets syphilis, I was like, "Isn't that isn't that Quills?" Yeah, that's the Marquis de Sade. So that was that was France. Yeah, uh, that was Jeffrey Rush. This is a guy. This is J- uh, Johnny Depp playing the the second Earl of Rochester. And you think Marquis de Sade was debauched? This dude goes for it. Like he's fucking everybody. He's doing all kinds of drugs. He's doing drugs while he's fucking and he's fucking while he's doing drugs. Mm-hmm. And like, he's, he's just, he's, you know, he's drunk all the time. And, uh, he, he plays it off. Like he's having the most fun ever. He's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to live. It's, it's the libertine life. Right. And, uh, I found it very fascinating. John Malkovich plays the King. Samantha Morton actually plays his woman, his friend, woman friend, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, he ends up, uh, preferring um he ends up getting like uh syphilis and it ends up being gross but also unapologetic about how he's lived his life he's just like fuck it you know I'm, i am who i am like popeye except with syphilis mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> instead of an anchor he has a needle on his <laughs> and i thought it was really really fun yeah, I like debauchery, and I like I like seeing people. Yeah, I know. like debauchery. That should be on a T-shirt. <laughs> it's it's, I, a, it's a, talk about a movie nobody talks about at all, and it's, yeah, it man. may be Johnny Depp's last good performance. I mean, this is two thousand four. Um, I, I like black ass. The movie's terrible, though. Oh, I never saw that. Is he good? Yeah, he's great in Black Mass. He's just the movie. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, the Libertine is a movie I have seen, but it, it was out of my head as soon as I watched it. Um, the next movie on here is Locke. Um, ah. many times Jeremy brought it, uh, into the fray here and I have now officially seen this movie probably six times. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It Love it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's just about, it's Tom Hardy. Who's like, a. What what do you say his official job is? He's a concrete pourer of buildings. He's like some kind of supervisor of the concrete pouring company. Yeah, because yeah. he has a boss, but he's the boss of the the crew, he's the, right? He's the, he's the foreman, foreman, the site manager. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And um, on the on the night before the biggest pour this company has ever had. A woman he slept with once has called him and said he's she's about to give birth, and he's decided 
that he's going to drop everything, including potentially his family, to see the birth of this child and just own up to the mistake that he made. I'm telling you, bad decision. Bad decision. Bear's like, I'd have kept that shit secret. No fucking way. Well, I mean, you could find it. You could come clean, but you could find a way to do it at a more opportune time. I understand why he does it. There's plenty of reasons within the movie where he justifies doing it. His own father, his own upbringing and everything. Just saying, you take your cock out one time, like, and then you apologize for it. You could probably get through it. He's not Mm -hmm. getting through it the way that he's doing it right now. Well, he certainly came clean because the woman got pregnant. the The idea is, hey, oh, <laughs> I just might as well add Got on. Off clean. Might as well add on to this this filthy episode. <laughs> We're the libertines of this. this yes, uh, but um, yeah, but is this movie compelling though? If he doesn't do that, of course not. No, no, no. It's a it's a perfect movie. I just think mm-hmm. it's a wrong real world decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think he's just trying to not be his dad, man. Even that's, though in the process he's going to be his dad to his existing kid. That's <clears throat> the thing about this mm-hmm. movie that sort of drives him that in that direction, right? Is it's the whole uh, I'm not going to be my dad, and he keeps arguing with uh, a, a phantom in his car, essentially saying, you know, like. I refuse to be you. And so I'm willing to risk it all and come clean and tell everybody what's going on. And, uh, and, um, even though it's, it's outrageous, uh, the timing that he, he takes, I think, uh, I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect for the movie. Again, I don't know if I would do it that way. Um, I don't know if I would, I would be able to do it that way, but, but he is so principled and I do love that. That's what justifies this whole mood movie is that his character is so principled and so rigid that this is the only way to do it. There mm-hmm. is no like, well, maybe I'll wait until I have some sausages and watch a football game and go to the hospital the next day after the poor. This is the only way it can happen. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Lock again. If for, for those of you who don't know, we, we highly recommend that movie. Um, London has fallen. Don't recommend that one. Remember, um, Olympus has fallen was like a halfway decent diehard ripoff. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it was, it was decently fun. This movie may be one of the silliest fucking premises ever. Um, I think it's the prime minister, uh, dies, uh, in this movie and they, they the rules are set up in such a way that that if you are if you have like everybody who is important who wants to go to uh to to this funeral all have to come at the same time it's like everything <laughs> that the terrorists want is the rules for this this whole thing and they they like uh Aaron Eckhart at the beginning of this is advised you don't want to go to this funeral because there's so much bullshit going on and there's you can't we, they can't secure the area like Great Britain is like under this tremendous pressure and he's like nah I've got to go to this funeral <laughs> and like you know, and like like so everybody decides to go and then of course because everybody decides to go 
and they can't have their own security detail for some reason. The terrorists blow up a whole bunch of fucking world leaders. And, yeah, and it's the dumbest. I mean, it's really dumb. Like, I, I, I don't think it gets justified by the action that happens later either. If the action was really fun, I could have dug it. But it's just, it's not a good movie. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Does the, uh, does Eckhart die in this one? He survives at the end, right? Or does he, does he get succeeded by uh, by Morgan Freeman? I think Morgan movie. Freeman is is playing fill in again, uh, and then yeah, by the end of it, I think Aaron Eckhart's still alive. He's still alive. Okay, yeah, because I, I think I think there's a speech at the end that Freeman gives, but he's not president at that point. I don't. Think. I see. Because he because Freeman is like uh, is like in some remote location giving that speech. Um. And then, and Aaron Eckhart did get saved, but yeah, movies. His movies are watchable, though, man. I mean, I haven't seen Angel Has Fallen, but that first one was watchable. This one is watchable. Yeah. Um, and finally, we get to Barrett's favorite movie of all time, Love Actually. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. I was talking uh, about this to my uh, parents uh, yesterday about. Uh, how much it's funny my dad loves this movie my mom hates this movie uh mm-hmm. and it's you know why she hates it she hates it because of the martin freeman fucking things she was oh, like oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. oh that's dirty and i was mm-hmm. like yeah of course it's dirty but the rest of the movie's kind of dirty too i mean side note uh actual penetration they they really got you know they really got into it on that uh, i still don't know what they're standing in for necessarily whether they're like filming just a, a random sex scene because it goes on forever uh, or why they need all this light? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't. I, everything. Do you know if they're shooting an an actual porno or are they shooting an art I think, film? I think they're shooting like an actual film. I don't think okay, it's a so porno it's an film. Actual film. That's that they're trying to get the light right. They're trying to get all these different things right so that the actors don't have to go in and have to do this. You know, cold. I guess. <laughs> um, anyway. No, it's a beautiful movie. It's uh, it's got full of heart. Uh, it's got good dialogue. It's it's not one of those Christmas movies that's too saccharine. Like there's a lot of naughtiness and and cheeky monkeys and, mm-hmm. and cheeky stuff like monkeys. That. I don't know. You looking and, at my mom? <laughs> <laughs> and one dude goes to Milwaukee and scores with a bunch of hot chicks. Yeah, and, right uh, on. One part that's just the biggest fantasy of the whole fucking movie. And that dude's an asshole too. He's so uh, terrible. He's such a dickhead. He can't get it. He can't get. <laughs> He can't get laid in England, but he's he's basically uh, understands that his accent alone will get him laid in America, and so he goes to some seedy ass bar in like Milwaukee. Yeah, yep, yep. And and all the hottest women of the all the hottest American actresses of the age are in this bar. Yeah, Alicia Cuthbert, and yep. you got uh, January Jones and. Yeah, yeah. Shan- eventually Shannon Elizabeth and yeah. uh, I forget the other one. Yeah, there was uh, a some model, some famous model at the time. Oh my god! Now this movie's a delight. Matter of fact, you know, I I had my Christmas routines of where I would watch like Home Alone or Muppet Christmas Carol or Mickey's Christmas Carol or you know just your regular rotation. And when I started working with a bunch of younger people up at Northwestern, they were like, "Well, we watch Love Actually every." every uh christmas and i was like it had been a long time since i had seen it and i was like is that even a christmas movie and uh, i started watching it and now it's in the rotation every uh every christmas 
It's funny that whole argument about the Die Hard being a Christmas movie and everything. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, I was I, a few months ago. I was going through some of our old videos, and I I realized that I had scheduled the first Die Hard to come out around Christmas. That video came came out like <laughs> Christmas Eve or something. So I guess this and, and this had to have been before the whole debate as to whether it was a Christmas movie or not. But I think I remember going, well, there was Christmas and there was some Christmas in that movie. I'll put it around Christmas. I'll, 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 I'll release it around. It's like December 24th. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I've changed my mind about this movie. I don't know. I think the debate is so stupid. We are done with the L's now. We'll go on to the M's on the next road trip on the next episode. Um, so that's going to do it for this week. Uh, go to Sincast uh, presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. Uh, we can also have a cinema since Twitter music video since Twitter. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're on discord. If you want to get on discord, get on our Reddit page, find a link on the right side of the page there, or you can go to Facebook and private message me and I can give you a link there. Do we have, we have some stuff, right? Some other stuff that we need to announce. Yeah. We're going to have all new merch, all new merch, 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 merch. You know, I don't know why people call it merch there. It's merchandise. It's, it's stuff. It's branded, it's branded content. It's shirts, it's mugs. It's stuff. It's posters. We got all new stuff coming out uh, that's super awesome. We got a shirt that I'm pretty sure a lot of you podcast fans are going to snatch up pretty damn quick. Uh, But there are some Syncast shirts. There's some new... Everything is new right now. Um, And then... Well, actually, wait. The main logo shirt's going to remain. Yeah, yeah. But then we've got some shirts coming that are new with a... Got a retro shirt. We got a TV Sync shirt. We got some kick ass posters. And mm-hmm. uh, you guys go check it out. And there's some discounts while we're launching this baby. And uh, pick it up. Yeah, go to go to any of our videos, and it'll be right below the actual video itself. It's Teespring uh, and our Cinema Sense. The shirt. The, the, is it okay? We we can talk about the shirt, right? The shirt. Yeah, I think I should have just said what it was. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a it's a frog, and it has syncast around his his cloacal area. <laughs> <laughs> cloacal. And, and there's a there's a little uh, there's a little description that says has a cloaca next to it, um, and uh, it's a it's a frog just uh, just minding his own business, walking down the street. Just on <laughs> back feet. It's just saying like a man With about his uh, cloacular region just flapping all over the place. That's right, it's flapping. It's flapping. Uh, but uh, I imagine that's yeah. what it's like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it works. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Hey Jeremy, I watched your uh, your Unstoppable last night. Oh yeah, what'd you think? That movie that movie's a lot more bonkers than I remember it being. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not I, like I thought it was a straightforward like oh they get it together and they use science and they use their their know how to get this. No, no, there's a bunch of crazy shit that, that goes on during this. They still thing. have science and know how. They, they still use. Yeah, they also have an abundance of breaks. 
Like one brake keeps breaking, and then that brake goes out, and he's like, this "No, pull the, the other brake." <laughs> and he this pulls the other. This is the movie brake. you're gonna go in on being too crazy. This is the movie. <laughs> and these Denzel's two, daughters are, are shooters waitresses for no reason. <laughs> Have you seen Deja Vu? These two made this. They made that movie too. And Man on Fire. You can't say bonkers <laughs> about unstop, unstoppable. It's fucking normal compared to a normal Tony Scott film. Chris Pine threatens a cop friend with a gun because he's texting with his wife. They get a restraining order, but by the end of the thing, because he's heroing, she's like, okay, we're good. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People in extreme circumstances end up you know, closer together. Don't be coming for Unstoppable. And then who's the, uh, who's the bad guy in Unstoppable? The train okay. that won't slow down, but also oh. the dad, uh, Kevin. Um, it's the uh, fat guy that's the. Uh... It's Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn is like so. What yeah. did what what is is it a decision he makes or is it is it he wants the train to do that? No, he's the neither. He's just the head of the big company that. Uh, wants to save money more than lives as for much of the movie. He wants oh, okay. to derail it like in a in a town that will be less populated than like a, a super populated town. Right. And mm-hmm. Denzel wants to go after it for a risky plan and so he says, I'm gonna fire you and Denzel says, You already did. I got you my notice did. uh sixty two days ago. Got eighteen mm. days left. And so he does yeah. it anyway. And Kevin Dunn <laughs> learns his lesson. Because yeah. they saved the day, and then Chris Pine gets his wife back, and Denzel, whose daughters love him, and mm-hmm. um, it's all mm-hmm. gravy. <laughs> yep, but I they, haven't. But they, but they, but they, but they, 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 they fucking say uh, <laughs> the guy. They win. They beat the unstoppable train by dude twistering his truck right up next to it, and he then he Kirk jumps into the back of the thing. Then he drives up to the thing. He jumps onto the thing, and then he mm-hmm. and then he, he stops it. Why didn't mm-hmm. they do that from the very beginning? As soon as they they locked onto it, why didn't they just like walk over there and like sit in the cockpit and just stop it? Why didn't they do it? Because Denzel gets to a point where he's like, I can't make the gap, but like there's a ladder right there that he can walk across and then walk up the other ladder. The movie's bonkers. I, uh, I haven't seen it since hard. it came out, so I've forgotten all the particulars of it, other than <laughs> it is a runaway train never coming back. It's well, not, I thought, yeah, exactly. It's not that crazy. It's really it not. Is cra- well, it's crazier than I thought it was. I, I thought it was very straightforward. But I think then the craziest this, thing like, about it is that, and the hooters and all the weird shit. I think the craziest thing about it is T.J. Miller's in this movie. Yeah, T.J. Miller's like a that boss. Is, that is weird. <laughs> He's high-fiving Ethan Suplee. Didn't uh, Denzel <laughs> been taking a Pelham 123 around that same time, too? So he was he like in two train, movies. two train movies right around there. Like, um, that one has... Taking a Pelham one two three has that has that awesome moment where he shoots Travolta on the on the track at the end of the movie and, he, and Travolta's like, "You're my goddamn hero." Before he dies. <laughs> <laughs> there was a some uh, what I, I don't know. There was some comedy group that would collect all sorts of uh, videos from around the world, like old vhs tapes and stuff and they used to do a little tour around they'd come to the bell court and everything and show these like long lost like people doing fitness tapes and uh (laughs) all sorts of just crazy shit that somehow hit some sort of market back in the day and 
and everything. And they'd show these clips and they're just like ridiculous, like just, you know, and, uh, they had this thing about collecting Jerry Maguire VHS tapes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause they, they would go, um, they, I guess they, I guess they figured when, when then they, when they'd go to these stores that would buy, uh, new and used, um, movies and everything, they would see lots of Jerry Maguire's. So they started snapping them up and they'd bring them to the thing. Like they'd bring, people would bring Jerry Maguire movies to them so that they could continue collecting them. And, uh, and I think they had a whole box showing how many they had. Uh, they just lugged that around and everything. It went further than that though, right? Didn't they like open up a one day video store or one week video store in New York city with all their Jerry Maguire VHS tapes. Just sure they did. (laughs) I'm sure they did. But it was like an art exhibit. Hey, I am excited to talk to you. Uh, well, I guess both of you, I finally watched one cut of the dead. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that movie ruled my dick, man. I loved it. I love that movie so much. (laughs) <laughs> it's got everything in there like the oh my god i went back did you do this i went back and watched the first one again the first yeah the first 30 the first minutes. part again yeah yeah, yeah. and i think and that's it's, what it's I so did. perfect and then you see at the very end you've got the actual production filming the production filming the actual movie <laughs> and you're like oh my god this is so great it's funny because the first time through, I think you might love it more than me. Uh, the first time through, you're like, you see the little pauses, you see the mistakes, but you write yeah. it off as a low budget production. You don't, yeah. you don't take it to the third level the way the movie does. And I don't really want to spoil anything because it's such a fun reveal. Well, there's just uh, longer takes where you're just like, man, that's kind of going on a little bit long, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, and there's a reason for yeah. it. You know? And all those reasons are freaking hilarious, man. <laughs> man, uh, Japan is is uh, killing it with these type of movies, these these meta movies and everything. Um, uh, because I, I was looking at that movie library thing, uh-huh. and uh, they had um, an, there a movie called Anti-Porno on there. <laughs> yeah, I was uh I was looking at the description for that. It seemed really interesting. And it's and it's got that same I mean it's not one cut of the dead, but it's it's got that same kind of meta-ness to it and everything. Did you watch um, it? Yeah. Yeah, cuz it, it the description even says that it's part of a production, but it doesn't tell you that until later on. Right? Yeah, it starts off with this this girl waking up and um and she goes she goes to the bathroom does all these things and then she has an assistant comes in she treats the assistant really like really bad and then at some point there's this like horrific uh, well i don't know if it's horrific but i mean i guess any rape is horrific but um it's a it's a rape scene and then uh and then uh you hear a cut cut after the 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 main chick goes and and vomits after she sees this and uh and then then the tables turn like the person who was playing the assistant in this so-called movie is the one who's mean to to the main actress hmm. in the uh. in the thing and so it starts flipping over and you start hearing the same sort of dialogue over and over and over again 
and they're making some sort of statement about how, you know, the sex industry is, uh, you know, really exploitative and everything. And, you know, uh, girls who are like, uh, you know, as young as 18 or are willing to call themselves whores just to make it big. And, um, just a, it's just an interesting movie. I wouldn't say that I completely understood every every aspect of it, but it was one of those movies that just kept going, and you're just like, man, this is another crazy scene. This is another crazy scene, but it just kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of goes like that. I hear there's some weird, weird shit going over there in Japan, man. Like, uh, you know, watching... The, Tony Bourdain went to Japan and went to Tokyo, like, probably... 10 times over the course of his two or three shows. And like, he would always get into some sort of thing. One thing, one episode was totally all about the porn and like the tentacle porn and all the the weird shit like that. And then I hear from my buddy Masa about the pink districts and stuff like that. And like, there's some, there's some, some business Mm -hmm. (laughs) happening over there in Japan. Like Mm -hmm. you go to the manga, the manga store, even at the, uh, there was a Japanese grocery store in Chicago that I would go to, uh, with uh, with uh, Masa and Nori and stuff like that. <clears throat> and they would have a manga section and they would have an adult manga section and you you can get lost <laughs> in, in that stuff. Yeah, baby. <laughs> but of course, Nori was just like, hey, babe, come here, come here. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, open it. And I was like, holy shit, we're in the middle of a grocery store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the 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 guy who did uh, anti porno did the um, that movie I was trying to describe, and I finally came up with the title, and then now I've lost it. Why don't you play in hell? I think is what it's called. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he did it was that on, uh, quite a bit ago, right? Yeah, it was a it was 2013 when it came out. Uh, Why don't you play in hell? Was the one where the guy is uh, shooting the movie and the and the actual yakuza come in and he actually starts shooting. Oh the yeah, movie with yeah, the yeah. Yakuza, uh, and, like real battle scenes and everything. So yeah, that guy's got like a got a twisted mind. But there's a lot of these type of movies coming out of that of uh, out of Japan, and it's kind of fun. Yeah, it is. I agree. Cut of the Dead is awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Now maybe I can get it back one day. Yeah, I might pass it to mail it to you. Uh, but See, no, I, I was remember. To... I remember yeah. liking it. I just wasn't in love with it, and I don't remember why. I can't remember why now. Because I'm pretty that, sure I overhyped it. <clears throat> because as you described it, I'm like, yeah, man, totally. But I remember watching it, going, yeah, it was all right. That was good. I liked it. I think some of it was I forgot a lot of what the the conceit was. I knew that there was like a like a dual structure to it, but I didn't remember exactly what Jeremy said about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you gave anything away, Jeremy. I, I, just I think I tried that, not like, to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just kind of, you know, you knew to expect something different. I knew to expect something different, but not this. And so like, I, I knew that they were going to pull back and see what went on during the production, but I didn't know how bonkers that production was going to be. I've got a million deadliest catches on my DVR that I've never I've been watching. I've been watching that a decent amount. That shows addictive as hell. It is. It's the, 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 the problem is, is that it just is it. Not only is it the same thing over and over again, and I don't feel like I actually need to watch it, but they, they twist those stories so weirdly to me though on the yeah. deadliest catch. 
Like they'll say, oh no, this guy can't find any crab. He's terrible at finding crab. And then like by the end of it, even though we've not seen him catch any crab, he somehow made his fucking quota. <laughs> like, Boy, that was, that was cl- cutting it close, but we got it done. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, so they throw all that stuff in there and they had that one, there was those few seasons and a uh, few years ago that I used to watch. And they had that one dude who was always fucking sneaking off to his captain's thing and doing heroin or whatever the fuck he was doing. Yeah. Um, and that was his last season too. Cause producers were like, dude, uh, you're the captain of the ship and we're on it. Um, <laughs> this is kind of fucked up, <laughs> you know, I like to do it quick on Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the best and time. Then put, and then put only your panties back on. That's right. Panties. That's right. <laughs> panties. Just like the panties you gotta that do your mom laid out for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love the way that Elaine ends that whole episode because it's it comes out of nowhere. She's like, I'm going to stop by my mom's. You have no idea it's coming. She's like, she got me some new panties, and she's got them all laid out for me. Yeah. She's famed that she's even heard the story the whole time. They're trying to figure out if Elaine's heard it. And she she says she hasn't. And then by the end of it, that's when she does that thing. Uh, I love love George's reaction to it, where he's like, he's like, your your panties that your mother laid out for you. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he's like, he's like, it's He's like, that's abnormal, but not like terrible. (laughs) That's exactly the point, right? It's not like, it's not awful. It's just weird. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) 